everyone, welcome to Trust the Trail. We are your outdoor guides, Ariane Petrucci and Scott Jans. This is episode 154, When Do You Quit? On this episode, we share a recent backpacking trip where one question was asked over and over and over again. Should we quit and go back? Our special guest tells her story about a trail that lies deep within the southeast wilderness where severe floods, fires, blowdown, and non-existent trail maintenance has all but made a trail slowly disappear. You don't want to miss the story how key decisions and experience changed everything. Get talking about this topic. Join in on the discussion on our Facebook group page. Just go to facebook.com forward slash groups, forward slash Trust the Trail podcast, and start the conversation. Come hang out with us and be part of our community. So for a complete, complete list of our 2020 trips, just go to trustthetrailpodcast.com and go to events. We have a few spots left for the Smoky Mountain Hidden Gem backpacking trip and a couple spots left for the Pictured Rock backpacking and kayak trip. All of our events are listed um, Come out to I Royale, the Badlands, Sycamore Wilderness Canyon in November. They're all on our events page. So our uh, special guest, it's going to be a very unique podcast because our special guest happens to be our beautiful and lovely co-host, Ariane from Trust the Trail Podcast. <laughs> and we're going to do kind of an interview type style because... She had a doozy of a backpacking trip this last weekend, and we a lot of lessons learned, and we thought it was so um, valuable to share with you um, about what happened, um, what key decisions were made, how mentally exhausting a trail can be, and share what the the good, the bad, and the ugly part of going on a simple backpacking trip can be sometimes. And we wanted to share that with you. So I'm going to kind of set it up and then I'm going to get right into it with, uh, with, uh, you know, her telling the story. And by the way, um, you want to stay tuned for the last part of the podcast because Ariana has a new trail name. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to reveal that trail name at the end. So here's the setup. This last weekend, uh, we took one of our podcast listeners uh, backpacking, or Ariane did, and it was a girl's trip. And so we went into the Cahutta Wilderness. Now, the Cahutta Wilderness, we talked about that before. For those who don't know what that is, it's a, it's a huge wilderness area. It covers about 37,000 acres, uh, both uh, in northern Georgia and uh, part of Tennessee. Contains 90 miles of hiking and backpacking trails, two of which follow the Jacks and Conestoga Rivers. Now, we've talked about the Jacks River. You've heard us talk about that. We had an event planned last fall in the Jacks River, but you've never heard us talk about the Conestoga River. The Conestoga River is the longest trail in the wilderness, runs about 14 miles or so along the Conestoga River. There's 20 river crossings in just the first five miles. If you go the way Ariane went, <laughs> lots of crossings. Now, I also went into the Cahutta Wilderness, but I went up in high elevation 
to kind of scout out a dispersed camp area where I'd kind of recently found um, on a map and was really curious about. So I was just kind of going up really later in the day. They left very early in the morning. I didn't leave until about 1 o'clock. Gahada Wilderness is about a three-hour drive from where we live. Um, and I just figured I'd just found, find a place to camp. All the other official campgrounds are closed. And, but there is some dispersed camping. I said, and I found this dispersed camping. And I'm like, I'm going to go check it out. And if I, go, if I can camp there, I'm going to stay the night. So that's what, that's what my plan was. Um, and so we're both in the wilderness in two different areas, um, both at the same time with two different cars. So welcome to the show, uh, Ariane. Good to have you here. Thank you. I really liked that introduction <laughs> that you gave me earlier. <laughs> we should have that weekly. <laughs> really? Yes. I see. I'm not paying you as a guest. Yeah. Um, but uh, so so you're 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 gonna get you're gonna ready to do the Conestoga River Trail. Um, how did that decision come to pass, and how did you decide to do that Pacific Trail? Um, so. It was a very last minute decision to go backpacking for the weekend. And so it was kind of abrupt. Uh, didn't have a lot of time to like really think through like exactly where do we want to go. But also equally, there's a lot that's kind of closed right now. So our choices were somewhat limited. I know the Cajada Wilderness very, very well. Um, <laughs> except for this part. I... You know, I know the Cajada Wilderness, I, it was supposed to be approximately, you know, 89 degrees uh, up there. And I, I opened up the trail map, knowing the Cajadas were open. I looked, I wanted something near water because I'm not a big fan of summer backpacking without water. Just, it's not exciting to me. So I open up the map and one of the first things that pulls my eye is a trail that I have never done before and that is the Conestoga River Trail. I was instantly attracted to it, intrigued and within a moment's notice I almost was like, yep, I want to do that one. I've never done it before. Check it off my bucket list. Not that it was on my bucket list, but I wanted to check it off. And something new and exciting is also very intriguing. Equally though, (laughs) <laughs> this is ba- kind of a backstory to it. I used to actually be very fearful of river crossings a long time ago when I first started backpacking. And so for me, river crossings have like this like really pull appeal to it because I, out of ignorance, I was fearful. I learned how to navigate river crossings and uh, find immense fun in it. And so I was just naturally drawn to it. So that's the trail we chose to do. Now, of course, when you're doing all your, uh, you know, I'm sitting in the same room. You guys are doing all your, you know, planning and preparing and your prep work. And you're doing your due diligence just like, you know, everybody should when they, before they go out on a backpacking trip. Except there are two things that we're missing. One, the ranger stations and, and a lot of these places are closed. And so if you had a question about anything about the trail, you aren't going to get information with it, um, you know, on a weekend necessarily. No. Um, let alone um, a uh, after 5 o'clock on a Friday night. And um, But you were doing your due diligence. You were planning and preparing. Um, what, was, what was kind of the, the one key thing that you noticed right away when you were doing 
your research on this particular trail. And by the way, to let everybody know, this trail has two ends to it. It has a northern section and a southern section, a northern trailhead and a southern trailhead. The Cahutta Wilderness is kind of divided in large crowd, no crowd. A large crowd is on the southern end all the time. That's where everything drops down and a lot of people go into the southern end. Some of the trails are a quick in and out. You get some nice campsites. Um, and the northern, northern area takes a little bit longer to get to because of all the forest roads you have to navigate. And there are a ton and they're long and they're dusty and they're rough. Right. So a lot of people don't go on the northern end of it. So as you're doing your trail maintenance, you make a decision to do the north end. And so where does that trail, where, where does your, your prep go from there? Well, we chose to do the northern end mainly because it was more appealing because the river was wider on that end. And I wanted the challenge of a, like a wider river crossing. And so that's kind of where we, we started with it. Um, and so instantly, you know, I went to the national forest website. That's where I always go. And I saw alerts pop up as you see all the time. You know, I saw a lot of alerts about things reopening, closures on, on roads, that kind of thing. But there was nothing specific about the trail that we were going to do. There was nothing alarming. It had just generally been speaking about a lot of blowdown in that area. And I've done the Cahutta Wilderness multiple times when they have had that same exact alert on it for an enormous amount of blowdown. Watch out, this area is not maintained. So for me, I underestimated, <laughs> I drastically underestimated the warning because I heeded it as something that I had already known and have done and have been very successful in. And it didn't seem like an alert to me. So that that is where I kind of started. I was like, okay, it's navigable. And Cotta Wilderness is known for the blowdowns. I mean, that, right. That there's a, there's always alerts out there. Right. So I wasn't I wasn't really warned by that in particular. Um because I have a lot more familiarity with the area. So my next step was to read trail reports to get as much information uh, about specific crossings because the Cahutta Wilderness, particularly on its river crossings, and I know this from doing Jack's River many times, is that the trail blazes on the river crossings are almost non-existent. And they can be very, very tricky. You know, the river can be very deep. Um, it can be swift, even though we've kind of been in more of a drought season recently. So I anticipated, uh, needing some kind of beta from the trail reports, which is what I was trying to pull from it, like certain areas that I needed to be aware of. Um, so as I'm reading trail reports, I'm having a really hard time finding information, current information. I'm having a hard time finding something. And so once I find something, I'm pulling as much information as I can. But there's really nothing alerting me to anything 
of what I experienced. And the the trail information you're getting was somewhat old. It wasn't current, as in even the current year. Correct. It was a (laughs) few years old. It was a few years old, but it was after the big fire of 2016, which I anticipated some kind of uh, cleanup. Right, right. Whether it was just for people walking the trail and and kind of opening it back up ever so slightly. Which happens a lot. And and, in this section of the wilderness... Is that you? Not only have you blow down, but you have, you know these rivers are in kind of in a gorge, um, so you have flash floods, and it sometimes you know a trail that's near the riverbank will be literally washed away. So there, there's in a normal in a normal situation, um, you're not going to get you know really nice trail markings um, with like you know. Uh, just very clear. Very, very clear. Go. There are it's, no arrows. Yeah, there's no arrows. There's no it's, neon signs pointing uh, in the direction. In the best day, it's, it it can be like, what? But but for, for the most part, once you do it a lot, you get used to kind of like how the kahadas work. Exactly. And so so what I was looking for were certain beta points to be able to like say, okay, I remember reading that at this mile, I'll be able to like, navigate a lot more easily but you you know you 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 made a declaration um uh that night about what you how you felt about the north end of the trail <laughs> we'll get into that at the end of the podcast and so you made a declaration loud everyone heard you and um <laughs> you decided to go to the north end despite having little to no information about the north end of the trail so you get there you get go out there early in the morning and what happened as you get down to the Conestoga River, you get out of your car, you start doing the trail, kind of go into like the first mile or two? So it, it starts out normal. Everything is exciting. We're floating on air, just having a grand time. You know, we're yammering about we do the first mile and a half, which we know we're about to hit a river crossing at the first mile and a half because I had done my proper trail research to know this. We get to the river and it's clear up to this point. Everything is beautiful, well-maintained, uh, no signs of caution. We didn't even get to the river and we saw two gentlemen, day hikers, coming out they were they were they were coming from where we were they're coming back to the trailhead um instantly they start talking to us as you do in most cases and they didn't even they didn't even do the hi hello how you doing great to see you good trail blah 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 they instantly warned us they said the trail is hard we gave up we went about a a maybe a mile in if that and then another, the other gentleman corrected him. I think we only got about half a mile. And they began to warn us about the severe amount of blowdown and how it was covering the trail. It was a little tricky. They gave us some navigation points if we were going to move forward to try and help us understand where to cross because it was essentially covering the next river crossing. At that time, I kind of made a very quick judgment I, I naturally we make judgments and assess like what we want out of a trip. And I assessed that they were day hikers. They, uh, you know, weren't really out there for 
I don't want to say a reason, but they weren't out there with a purpose to get to like a final end. So if it was challenging and difficult for them, I kind of felt like I probably would have like not gone forward. I would have maybe not tried a lot of effort if I was just out for a few hours on a day hike. Their intent was just to go in and out and, you know, just a day hike. So I made a quick rash decision that I would say, well, nope, I've got this. I know blow down. I'm not too worried. You know, trail will probably open up after that. And the first river crossing was uh, pretty perfect. The first river crossing was perfect. It really was. It was easy. It was short. It was, uh, there was nothing to it. There was no reason to not, there was no reason to turn back at that point. Right. So at some point, very early on, after that first river crossing. Maybe like 400 feet. Something changed. Yep. And what changed? So we saw exactly what they were talking about right away. It was an immense amount of blowdown. It was covering every possible path uh, to the left, to the right, straight forward. You know, you, you did lose the trail. And you had the river right there because you crossed the river almost immediately again. And so it really wasn't too much of a concern because I was like, well, I'll just, I'll just go around the blowdown in the river and come back out on the other end, um, which is what we did. And so after the first series of blowdown, you didn't really think it was too difficult. But when did it get to the point where a little blowdown turned into this is going to be the whole damn trail. <laughs> well, it wasn't so obvious that it was. So when you have blowdown, you expect blowdown for a little bit, even if you pick back up the trail, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily feel like, you know, an eight mile stretch is going to trap you in. So, you know, we kept at it and we hiked in the river for a while, attempted to connect back with the trail which we knew was going to be on the left-hand side because there were sheer bluffs on our right. Logically, there was no trail on the right-hand side. So it continued, the blowdown continued. Um, and so we navigated a while until we were able to like hop back onto the right side after the bluffs and connect with what looked like a trail. At that point on the right side, it was pretty, it was, I mean, it was, it was a trail. It was a trail. It didn't look very worn, but it was, it was a trail. And so we were able to navigate that for a second before we hopped back over a river crossing and back to the left side, which the entire trip, the left side was the more challenging side. And so we were still fresh in the process. We were excited. We were like, yes, this is challenging. We've got something to contend with, like test us. And we kept going, although we stopped a lot trying to figure out where the, where the trail would pick up. Um, you know, we were pulling out the map excessively, uh, trying to connect some kind of thought process. And, and a few times we questioned, uh, you know, I, I just don't really know. This seems a little complicated to try and find a trail. I mean, which we know is there. We just couldn't physically, we couldn't place it. When did the trail, be, how many miles were you in, if you knew, <laughs> where the trail has now become uh, not 
a um, not. You said it was you were you were excited. It was new. When did all of a sudden things just completely kind of turn upside down, <laughs> where you had to start making some key decisions? So I would say probably probably about two and a half miles or th- two and a half to three miles in. Although it was really difficult to confirm that we were even that far in why (laughs) because navigation was the most challenging aspect of this trip because we didn't have your typical points of reference so when you're hiking you kind of know how far you hike in a given time span you know if you're lingering if you're lollygagging if you're booking it And we didn't have that because we were stopped so frequently trying to just like look around to see. So we probably walked in a lot of circles. So we didn't have a time reference to go off of. We also didn't have the most natural reference from the trail map, which was river crossings. We had no idea how many crossings we had done because we either didn't do a crossing that was there because we couldn't find it or we were hiking upstream for very long periods of time, probably 45 minutes, an hour. Uh, every now and again, it would be shorter, but we would be hiking up river, literally in the river, hiking up. But we were also zigzagging the river uh, because at any given point, you would run into a very deep pool that you couldn't navigate through unless you swam through it, which we didn't want to do, or the shale became too dicey to navigate or it was slick it was deep it was like it was beautiful but it was difficult to kind of connect your points of reference so that's why I didn't really know how far along we were but let's say we were three miles and in three miles in that uh, situation it wasn't just the miles it was the time now you committed to the trail Right. We had committed quite a bit of time to not go very far at all. So now you're in like three to four hours. Right. So just, so when, <laughs> when did, when did the point of, when was there a point of no return? Where did it, where did that point come from where the decision had to be made? Look, this isn't worth it anymore compared to the other choice of going through it again back to the car. So our plan, our plan had been to hike in. uh, We were expecting to get to a 10 mile point um, up higher in elevation off of this and connect with another trail. And then the next morning backtrack to our cars. Very quickly on, we determined that we were not going to turn around. We made a decision to commit to go forward because we didn't, We didn't want to give up. We didn't want to backtrack because for a lot of different reasons, possibly because we wanted to beat the trail in one essence. And the other was, it was just too, it was fun. It Mm. was, it was fun and enjoyable to a point where it wasn't. And we, we got to the point once where we went, we were up on the left side and that was the more challenging side to hike on because that's where all the blowdown was we got to a point where the trail what we thought was the trail deviated above like probably about 500 feet above the river 
and you had a sheer cliff on one side and I mean, it sounds dramatic, but you know, you just have the elevation where there's, there's no earth and it, it drops down into the river and then you have nothing but these big uprooted, massive trees blocking the trail. Um, with that also comes, you know, a lot of twigs and a lot of branches. And so the trail beat was invisible to us. We couldn't, we couldn't see a trail, but we knew it was the only logical way because on the other side of the river, you had a sheer bluff, which couldn't be the trail. So logically we followed this path and we, we got to the point where we were just contorting our bodies, like every, like every like foot, you know, you would take a step and you'd have to duck, like severely duck, take your pack off and try and like navigate through this, like this extremely tightly like fallen debris that just at one point became so impassable. I remember saying to myself, I'm just like, you have got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. Like why? And it got to the point where we both just we weren't having fun anymore. We stopped having fun. It was hard. It was challenging. I had prepared for river crossings. And so I was wearing Tevas and my feet were getting ripped to shreds. And I mean, I was, I was, we were getting caught in debris where we couldn't physically move. And, and at that point we determined I, we can't keep moving forward. There's no physical way that we can get through this. And we just saw a sheer wall of nothing but just misery up ahead. And at that point, we decided, let's go back through all that muck that we had just like pushed ourselves through just to fall down to the river and hike up the river. And at that point, we were probably in the river for a solid hour hiking upstream. And but so, we were determined not to turn back. But at that point, we knew we were not coming out the same way we came in. So at that point, the decision was made to just forget the trail. The trail's not there. It's non-existent in most places. And the, your decision to hike up the river was key because you knew what was on the other end of where you needed to come out. You'd been where this trail comes out and intersects with another trail. You'd been there. You, you, you saw the Conestoga River. You saw Hickory Creek Trail. You know where that Conestoga River Trail comes out at. And so at that point, you're probably thinking, hey, at worst case scenario, we hike in the river the whole way to we, to wherever that bend is. Oh, it was definitely a thought. It was definitely a thought. And at one point we, you know, we, we would commit. We're just going to hike up river the whole way. It'll be fun. We've got this. It's going to take us all night to get there. But we were committed to doing that. But then the trail would lure us to the right side again. And we would reconnect with the trail on the right side, which was, half a trail, half a just path of possible clearing for about two minutes. And we just had this two minute rule. Every two minutes, the trail would change or we would lose it or it would, we were like, do we jump back into the river or do we try and navigate, continue? I, every single time one of us spoke, I think it's the trail up ahead. We spent more time standing there looking perplexed as to like 
what do we do we step forward into this like non-existent abyss or do we do we literally step into an entangled web of just like debris do we hop these huge massive trees or do we backtrack a little bit to get back in the river and hike upstream so at one point yeah we did we did consider hiking the river the entire way and i and i'm not really sure what the equivalent of bushwhacking in a river is but that's what we did and 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 at that point too you had already forgone the the idea of going back to the car that the was a, was over with that was over with we were we so were you, determined you were going forward not because you necessarily wanted to in a way you probably in a way maybe you did but but also because you know after after investing that much time <laughs> yeah in a trail it's not it's not like you it's not like it's you know it's a few miles away but it's it's time it's it's like you're five miles you could do that and if you hoofed it on a regular trail you could probably do that in you know two hours and 15 minutes if you were booking it but on in this occasion you knew it would take you hours to get back to the car you'd never make it to, to <laughs> before it got dark and the fact is is that after you know there's a time when you start investing and you're working hard into a trail and it you know you've embraced the suck now embracing the suck that's like secondary you, know, you, know, <laughs> right. you embraced the suck miles ago i know it was you've the, accepted that, the suck I, we we did accept you've become the suck. one with the suck <laughs> right so at that point now it's like you know where the end game is you just got to get there I think for us, it was it was less appealing for us to turn around because we we didn't have. Okay, it was a mixture of having a lot of fun because of the challenge, and because of the beautiful, pristine, gorgeous like river. It was beautiful, and we it it was a mix of like excitement, fun, and like just not having any fun at all. And so we knew what we had passed and we didn't want to back. We didn't want to do that a second time, but we didn't know what was ahead. So it was almost more accepting to move forward into the unknown than it was to backtrack into something that we didn't enjoy. When you stopped having fun at one point, when you, you said we weren't having fun anymore, when did the trail then become um, more mentally challenging i think at that point when you say i'm not having fun anymore and you know, i'm not going to go back because that's going to be less fun <laughs> you know when when did when did the mental aspect of it because you know i'm listening to your story and, and i'm thinking yeah sure it sounded like it was really physical but when did it become like really more you know mental than than physical well that's actually that's actually a really, really good question because I think mentally it was challenging from the beginning, uh, I would say about the second river crossing, but it wasn't draining mentally until we just made so much effort to go nowhere. And after, you know, you're, you're contorting your body in ways that it's just, it, it, we were expecting to do trail, not not acrobats and not you know trying to be a little squirrel on these trees like it it was not a trail anymore and the river became hard and difficult and exhausting and so mentally we were constantly fighting this like yeah we're having fun we're we're being challenged we're enjoying this but 
we're also just physically tired and can't make logical decisions very well anymore. It was it was very it was very mental from the beginning, but it was it wasn't difficult to focus on that mental aspect until we just got to the point where we just we couldn't determine where we were. We knew we were never lost. Like that was never a thought in my mind. I always knew exactly where we were as long as we followed the river upstream and we were walking upstream against this like really strong current. So there were definitely some physical attributes that were just draining in themselves, which does does hit your your mental acceptance at, at one point. But I the, the river was our navigation. That was the only navigation we had. As long as we had the river in our sights or we're walking through it, we're never lost. But but mentally, it became frustrating to not know exactly where we were in the terrain because we had, again, the no reference point like you typically would, but we also had we also had a map that wasn't matching up to anything. And that was probably the more mentally frustrating point is not knowing how far we were away from our our campsite that we had determined was our like, you know, our ditch campsite. And because so we had we have a map from 1996, right? Which well, is the last in 1996. Right. And that's like the last updated version of this. And but also what we were contending with is that's a pretty it's a pretty outdated information. I don't want to say it's outdated. If you're on a regular trail, so imagine this. If you're on a regular trail and you're hiking, you know, you don't really need to finite, like, figure out your exact pinpoint on a map. Because generally speaking, you have some kind of point of reference or you're hiking fast enough to be able to, like, get to an intersection and really understand where you're at. But in this case, we couldn't go anywhere. Like, we would spend an hour and, like, maybe even go like like a quarter of a mile, half a mile because it was so slow moving. So I think what was frustrating is like the navigation, the terrain didn't match up. The river crossings didn't match up with the terrain. Nothing made any sense to us. And so we knew where we were as long as we were in the river. But the mental toll really hit when we couldn't place or we thought we'd stay on the right side for a long period of time, but yet we're constantly crossing the river to the left. And we're like, why are we crossing the river to the left? It doesn't make any sense according to the map. Right. And so because it didn't match up, a thought popped in my head. Well, this map is somewhat useless because we can't look at it from a finite standpoint because people have created their own path. It paths have been re-diverted due to blowdown from years and years and years ago. So new paths have been created. Uh, and, and of course, none of it was going to match up. Right. So we had no understanding, even though we were never lost, we had no understanding about exactly where we were and how far our campsite was away. We were exhausted physically, exhausted mentally. And the question was, do we just drop camp because we're tired and we're ready to, we're ready to call it quits or do we keep going until we intersect with a place that we 
we know where we're at. And that was, that was our decision. We kept moving forward so that we knew where we were. That was more important to us. So eventually you, eventually you come out at Hickory Creek Trail. Hickory Creek Trail and Conestoga River, where they where they connect, it's literally in the middle of a campsite. I kid you not. The campsite is the intersection of the Conestoga River and the Hickory Creek Trail. So you come out and you see that trail. First of all, you must have just been, I mean, just so excited you're <laughs> out of the nightmare. Well, so it, I, I mean, there was a point where. We, again, we don't know exactly where we are. We, we passed the Conestoga. So we're walking into it. It's this, this was the most challenging river crossing yet. It's deep. And you have these like sheer rocks with nothing but just slick as snot. You can't navigate it. Otherwise, you're in a pool like way past your waist trying to like get through in slick rock. You don't know how deep you're about to see, but you, you can see that it's deep. And there are two people sitting on a rock in the middle. And I think because they see us, they quickly start packing up and like bolting away from us. And in my sheer exhaustion, I'm like, they're getting away. (laughs) They're getting away. Our only resource is getting away. And I just, you know, looking back at it, it was pretty ridiculous moment that I'm like trying to chase these two people in a wilderness. That's like the last thing (laughs) that you want to see is somebody going, they're getting away, go after them. Yeah, yelling that, <laughs> yelling that in the wilderness is probably, Not probably where most, most horror movies get started. So in, these people were like- In that moment, I was not logically thinking through that So the, these people were like at the trailhead, kind of. They, right, but they we didn't there. know you that. You didn't know that. Even though we recognized, I think logic didn't connect before- uh, necessity connected and had I stopped to really think through with a non-exhausted mind they're day hikers they're probably really close to a resource well the the funny thing about that is um because that that was the clue because the Hickory Creek Trail is only a three mile trail right down from a from a trailhead, from a parking area. Right. And it's a popular parking area. So a lot of people, very, very common, probably daily, hike down the Hickory Creek Trail to go see the Conestoga River or to get to Bray Fields, which is a very popular camping spot. So you see these two people without a backpack. They're just sitting on a rock. Right. Logic would say. They're day hikers from the Hickory <laughs> Creek Trail, and I'm home. But it, that's where that's where we're getting out. Now we hadn't seen another human in a little while, so um, which was a clue in itself. Um, we we had passed a group of five backpackers on the Conestoga Trail, and one of the first things I had mentioned or asked them is, "Have you hiked this trail before?" And they're like, "No, no, have you?" And I'm like, no. Well, that's a clue right there. Right. <laughs> the only people on this trail are people that have never done the trail before. And the other clue, too, was, you know, there are no snap branches. We were we were snapping branches to get through them. There had been very little, like, existence of, of, of people navigating through this, like, immense debris. 
in most cases, you would see a lot of snap branches and some kind of logic behind it. And, and, and it really didn't exist for the most part outside of us or this other group that we were kind of passing back and forth, um, snapping it, trying to get through. So you get to Brayfields, you're out of, you're off the trail, you get to Hickory Creek, you are finally a campsite, you set up, you're going to have dinner. What time is it? We boiled our water for dinner at 9 p.m. So roughly it was almost a 12-hour day. Yeah, 12-hour day to go what we think was eight miles. Right, But give or take. I'm pretty sure we did a lot more than that with all the, the navigation, sure, the back and forth, sure. the aerobics. We'll, you know, right, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a, little, in a second. So, so now... You're the next morning of good night's sleep. The next morning, you've got uh, you've got more decisions to make, and the big decision was the promise to our listeners to go up to Panther Creek Falls, which is very high in elevation. It's a hard climb to get up there, but now you know where you are. You know where that trail is. But the second is we got to get a ride back to our car. Yeah, well, we had we had made a decision very early on, and we were both fully in agreement with uh, that there was no way in hell we were going to turn around and do that trip again. And at that point, we knew, and we had said it out loud, that this means we are completely reliant on another. We have just taken out our freedom to, to, to kind of get ourselves out, and now we were dependent upon somebody to cart us back to our car. And knowing the area, I had the expertise of knowing where those hot spots were and knowing where we could resource a ride and 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 knowing how kind and uh, generous people are. And it was a it was an access point that you was close en- it was close enough to where I knew that we could summon a ride up. Um, so I wasn't too worried about that, but what I didn't like is the reliability of it and the component of of just of just not having that as a sure way up. Sure. So it was a little unsettling, even though logically I knew that it wouldn't be a problem. So the that night that you're you're camping, I'm also camping. Right. And I'm at uh, I'm at pretty high elevation, and uh, beautiful night. It was cool. Um, and I have cell service um, because I'm up high in elevation. So I, I have cell service. And um, I'm expecting a text at some point in time that night from Ariane saying, hey, we made it on top of Panther Creek. Now, why is that important? That's important because we know that Panther Creek up on top is high. And we know every time we've been up there, there's cell service. So that was our point. That was our that was Ariane. Uh, you know, when you do these these trips and you're letting people know, we agreed to we agreed it. to it, and so we we know that okay, Panther Creek. I shoot you a text. I'm on top of Panther Creek. Now that gives me a point of reference. I know where you're at, and um, that's when we we talk about letting people know where you're going. This is why it's so important. So that night I didn't get a text. Well, I didn't hear anything from you. I remember the conversation on the couch the night before. He said, wow, your route is really ambitious. <laughs> and I said, we've 
got this. We can do it. We're good. We'll be up at Panther Creek. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, we'll get we'll get to that in a minute too. So I don't think that realistically, I don't think that you were too alarmed because you kept telling me. Yeah, that's okay, but Brayfields is not that far away. You can camp there. And I just had your voice in my head. Yeah, I, I kind of, I didn't really get concerned because I knew that, you know, there's there's only two options. Either, you know, it was a fluke and Panther Creek did not have cell service, which I doubted. Or, it, you know, you just got there late and you, you stayed at Brayfield. So, so the next day at 12 o'clock, it's noon. And I'm still high up in elevation. I'm still at my campsite. Um, I get a I get a text, and the text is, "Do you have cell service?" <laughs> and it's from my lovely co-host. <laughs> and I text back, and I go, "Yes." Immediately, I don't even think I typed the S, <laughs> and it's sent. The phone rings, and it's my lovely co-host. My lovely co-host goes. Uh, we need some help. Where are you? And I go, I go, well, where are you? And she goes, well, I'm on top of Panther Creek Falls. I'm like, oh. And she goes, we're having lunch. And I'm like, oh, well, are you going to come down? And she goes, yeah, we're going to come down. And we're going to come out of the Hick- we're coming out of the Hickory Creek Trailhead. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. And I'm literally, as the crow flies, two miles away. Um, on As the forest road drives... <laughs> It's about 45 minutes. So I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. What time are you going to be out? So we calculate our time and um, I, I get to the trailhead. I wait, uh, it was like an hour and a half, two hours, you know, for them to come up. And I see I see Ariane and our podcast listener come up that trailhead. And it was clear that the wilderness kicked their butt that weekend. <laughs> Yeah. It, 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 I believe your exact words is, I think that God has just bitch slapped you. Yeah, right yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, I, I guess, and then we, you know, I drove him back to the, to the car, but we sure, we wanted to share this, the story because for a couple reasons, one is that there's, there were a lot of lessons, um, learned but there was also key elements to your to to how you make decisions, how you make good decisions on the trail. And one of the lessons learned, I think, in the beginning was there were some red flags, and the red flags were early on to where you didn't have enough information about that section of the trail to make a good, solid educational, you know, based on fact. Is, is this section of the trail good? Well, I think I, I think the um, I think the aspect is is that when you looked at the two sides of the river, because you know we we really did want to do the the wider portion because we heard it was more beautiful and it felt it felt more challenging because it was deeper and more challenging and and that was kind of a draw for us. But when you looked at the two sides to try and figure it out, one side had just so much current updated information. It was just like, that's all you saw. Well, you read a trail report like from yesterday. And the other side was very outdated. It was v- very difficult to find information. And, and I, think, I think looking back at that moment, 
yes, there's information on the trail, but how current is it? And is it, is it, is it going to be useful for your current hike? And that was, that was the biggest red flag that I, I simply ignored or selected to uh, not necessarily pay attention to in its entirety. And I think the other thing too, is that, and this is, this is, this is key. When you're looking at a map, you have to remember that you're looking at an aerial view of the trail. And so in a creek or in a river that you're following, and there's going to be multiple river crossings, you're not, you're not in the same perspective. You're not looking down um, necessarily. You're in the river. And so in their case, what was an easy mark as far as where the river crossings were now is the perspectives change because the river snakes. It's not a straight line. It snakes. There's S's and U's and it goes in and out. And so, yeah, when you're looking at the river crossings, you say, oh, yeah, okay, well, we have here's a river crossing, here's a river crossing. But when you're in the river and you're following the river because you can't find the trail. <laughs> it's very different game. You're, you're now hiking where the trail would cut into a U shape where the river goes in, comes back out, you cut that U, well, now you're hiking the U. So now it's not just eight miles. You may have done 12 miles oh, that I'm, day. I, I'm pretty sure we did a lot more. Uh, even within the river, and it's pretty pretty decently wide river for what I would say the cut is, I mean, we are, we're, we're, we're zigzagging the whole thing because it's, even the river has its challenges and difficulty level. And so, you know, we're trying to follow the path of least resistance so that we can actually make up a little bit of time. So I think that's something, you know, you have to kind of consider when you're doing, especially uh, these, you know, river crossings or you see a, you know, a map and it says, oh, you have, you know, 10 river crossings or five river crossings. Keep in mind that an aerial perspective is going to be a lot different than being in the river. It changes everything another thing too is that i think for um you know our listeners that get to the point of that no return that's the biggest decision sometimes you make not only in backpacking but in life general is where where does the point of where is that point of no return where is it where you're going to have to make a decision to move forward or backwards. Or decision to move backwards. And what does that mean? Now, and I, I would also add into that, though, is is that decision based out of logic or just sheer hard-headedness? Because I, I know that ours initiated with just sheer, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to let this go wrong. Well, I think, too, is that, you know, we are, one of the most common questions we get is, you know, you know, how do I become an experienced backpacker? You know, how does that happen? Well, you know, it happens when you've embraced the suck enough in your life that there's a level of embrace the suck. You know, there's a level. Is it a level one or is it a level five? And the more you backpack and the more you do and the more you encounter blowdown and the more you encounter where the heck is the trail, the more you can you start looking at uh, different uh, points of uh, of markings and and okay, has someone stepped here? Is this is this rock worn or is this part of the woods? Is this does it look like there's a path here? I and the more experience you, you get, I think the embrace this. I think that 
part of the suck value, I think it's a lower grade. So for the person True. that you took, that may have been high, but for you, you thought like, well, you know, we're in the river. The river goes, the river will turn into a spring where the river starts. That's that Betty Gap. So at some point in time, you know, you knew that the river was going to end and it's only 14 miles. Now, gratefully, I was hiking with somebody that matched my mental, like my mental game. And and I don't know that I would have moved forward had I been with somebody who I didn't feel, that I didn't feel would have been able to like match that kind of terrain and that challenge. And I think a big part of it was like, we were beyond grateful for our experience. We were having more fun than we than we had suck value. I think I think that I could look at that in one hand and be like, oh, this this sucks. This is not fun. This is far too exhausting, far too challenging. But that is what I and my friend enjoy is putting our skills to the test and and kind of pushing ourselves a little bit. So I think that level of acceptance was a little bit greater on this trip. And, 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 and that decision that you make that like viable decision in that moment, do you move forward or do you not? Those are all components that, that, that bleed into that decision. And I, I felt secure with moving forward mainly because the river was my point of reference. And I knew without doubt, Trail, no trail, hiking over every single tree limb in that in that Cahuta wilderness. I was I was fine. I knew I would make it to Brayfields. Yeah, because the river and the river and there was, was a, your trail. There was a sense of security in that. Trust the trail. Trust know, the river. <laughs> trust the river. Well, I think it's I think it's a really good. Um, I think it's I think there there are a lot of lessons. I asked you um, when you came back. I said, "Would you go back and do that trail again?" And uh, your answer is. <laughs> well, I think my answer was a little bit more. I would say uh, probably uh, zealous, but no, I, w- I, w- I wouldn't do it again. And I would highly advise that others not necessarily do it, except. If you knew what you were truly getting into. Now, if I had redone that trail, and part of me kind of does want to do it again because I know what I'm up against, but no, I don't think I would do it. Well, I think at some point in time, at some point the trails, it's not worth it. Um, but in your case, the only the only thing I would say is that you knew with. See, the thing is, when you know where you, when you know the other end, as well. Um, it allows you your did, decision. You know where you're going. You know you can keep. It's like how forward. hard you want to work to get there, and that's oh, yeah. the key. Yeah. Um, and the other thing too, um, I know probably uh, there there's going to be people that well we they need to do some trail maintenance. Ranger has to go out there and do some trail maintenance. The one thing about the wilderness areas and the the wilderness act is you're you're not allowed to bring any kind of motorized um, chainsaw. You can't bring anything that runs on gas. Nothing. So all of this blowdown literally has to be cut by hand, either with an axe or with a, a, a tree saw or, a, you know, some sort of, you know, I, I've actually seen people out there with the old mill saw, two people sawing a big tree. That's the only way to do trail maintenance. And so one of the things when you look at a trail and it says blowdown, or the or the or you know you call the ranger and this point the, the ranger station was closed. 
when you see a lot of the word blowdown or there's been a tornado in the last year that has gone through that trail and you automatically think, eh, it's been a year. Well, <laughs> I got news for you. It's not a state park. <laughs> it's not a state park. It's not a national park service. It's not the Appalachian Trail. It, it could be three years before people get in and do any trail maintenance on that. So keep that in mind. That was another red flag. That also, was... the blowdown yeah. and uh, the fact that, you know, uh, it, it there, there was a warning about blowdown, um, but... To, uh, to understand that nobody's going to be there for a very, very long time. So, so um, the the funny thing is, is that when uh, Ariane was doing her research, and w- w- you know, <laughs> we were sitting here on the couch, and she's looking at other stuff. Um, at one point in time, I was suggesting the other side quite a bit, and um, Ariane uh, all of a sudden kind of declared in a in a large uh, in a very boisterous statement she goes i we're gonna do the north end because i have a gut instinct (laughs) (laughs) and uh so i've uh i've i've trail named her for the for the month of month of may i was trail name is gut instinct i was not off that trail for maybe i don't know 30 seconds and scott made some snide comment about <laughs> that gut instinct how good was it oh, now was that gut instinct Ariane. and that's um, the statements be very cautious about the statements you make about trips that you are doing it always comes back to haunt you in some form or another yeah absolutely well i hope you guys liked uh, this podcast i think there's a lot of good valuable information to take away um from this you know trip planning is is really um, going over and over the the plan and prepare. Let somebody know where you're going because, you know, yeah, you may park at one trailhead, but that doesn't mean you're going back to your car because things change in the wilderness. Things change. And um, so always let someone know where you're going. Maps are good, but as Ariane learned on this trip, her map became irrelevant. Um, it probably became something to fan and push the flies away with. It camp. became more frustrating than useful. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and also understand that river crossings look different on a map than they are in, while you're in the river. And at some point in time, you have key decisions to make on any backpacking trip. And so make those, make those key decisions with knowledge and not guesswork. As you did, Ariane, all your decisions you made because you knew what was ahead. And so you had a very, your decisions were based on education and fact. So if you're going to make decisions out there, know that your decisions are based on, you know, your experience and not on someone else's experience and, you know, what you've watched or what you've read because sometimes, you know, that can be wrong. And if there's no information about a trail uh, in that section, maybe you should do it. (laughs) <laughs> and never never yell out loud uh, i'm doing it because i have a gut instinct never never do that out loud when people are in the room um anyway uh we wanted to mention there's a some really amazing gear specials out right now um because there's a huge inventory of of gear so this is a really good time to go shopping around you guys um 
we built the website. It's all in one place. That's thebackpackersstore.com. It's got all your major outfitters, REI, Moose Jaw, Camp Saver, Eastern Mountain Sports. It's got all of them. It's all in one place. The power is in the search. So go check out thebackpackersstore.com. Search for your favorite piece of gear and then just compare all the prices. We just put Enlightened uh, up there, the quilts. We've got MSR now. We've got Osprey Packs. We've got them all on there. Um, shout out to our lovely and amazing Facebook members, which are awesome. Thank you guys so much for posting all your hiking stuff lately. Um, we're going to post this topic on the podcast tomorrow. We'd love to hear your feedback um, on, on this. Uh, and also our patrons who really help support the podcast, Ted Jones, David Byer, John Phillips, Rick, Jerry, Shirley Nutt, Jerry, Suzanne Johnson, Brad Wolf, Helene, Mike Pellet, Jacqueline, Danny Bowen, Jack Masters, Amy Tappendorf, Jeff Nyman, Kathy Kinnison, Bob Esser, Matthew Creecroft, Vicki Thomason, Becky Wenger, Jill Lang, and Ed Newell, or EJ Newell, sorry, EJ Newell. EJ is going on now. Uh, one of the trips, I think he's going on the Smokies. Uh, if you don't know what Patreon is, Patreon is a secure platform that lets you support your favorite podcast. All you need to do is create an account, go to Trust the Trail Podcast, and as little as $2 a month, get special benefits for exclusive content. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the big ones. If we're not on one, please let us know. We, get, we will... Do that for you. We'll get on any podcatcher that you want. Please go ahead and post a comment if you like this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite podcatchers. We love reading reviews all the time and we really appreciate it. If uh, if you'd like to go to our Facebook page, you go to Trust the Trail Facebook page. You can also follow us on Instagram. Ariane's posted some really cool photographs and there's one of our podcast guest. Looking over the sunset or sunrise. What is it? Sunset? Sunrise? Sunset? Sunset. Sunset. But oddly enough, there's not a single photograph of this trip. No, because you're too busy fighting for your lives. <laughs> so none will be posted there. <laughs> but there's a great picture of Panther Creek on uh, our Instagram page. So you can see how beautiful uh, the, the Panther Creek Falls are. Um, so yeah, in retrospect, you know, sometimes, you know, the trail takes many shapes and sizes and this time it was the Conestoga River. Um, so remember when you guys are out there, use good judgment, make good decisions and always trust the trail. You guys, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.